Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call to join Allworth's Money Matters. Call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to All Words Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. I'm Pat McClain. Glad you're joining us today. Myself and my co-host here, we are both financial advisors, certified financial planner, chartered financial consultant. We spend our weekdays helping people like yourself and broadcasting the weekends, being your financial advisors on the air. And um, we like taking your calls, answering your questions, talk about things that are relevant in the financial world. And if you want to be part of our program, you want to call us and be on the show with a question. The contact number is 833-99-WORTH. Before we go to the calls, um, I want to talk a little bit about housing prices. Crazy. <laughs> Crazy. Crazy. You know what the difference is? So I was thinking back when during the 2000s when we started seeing housing prices run up. And we've done this program. We've broadcast this program for 26 years. So we were talking back those times. We said the thing that was alarming for the rising home prices in the early 2000s was that rents weren't increasing. So rents were the same, yet housing prices were going up. Which and we, which we talked in the program often at times, like either rents are going to have to increase or property values are going to have to decline. So we had that kind of strange phenomenon. And it was, uh, and it was even before the crisis, you could see that how people were advertising how to get a loan. Uh, and just by the general people calling our show, asking, you know, I work at a minimum wage job and I'm going to buy a $250,000 house and fill it up with roommates. And, and they yes, called them. I remember calling No like income, that. no verification, none of that. They used to call them liars. I remember, I remember, I literally remember I was driving, driving down the freeway one day. It was probably in 2007. And I heard an ad for one of those. Remember the, like the negative AM loans or it's a 1% rate for the first couple of years, 1% payment. But, and I, those would anger me because I thought you're just getting, you're tricking people into something. that's not good. And I remember I called the number. Yes. Oh, <laughs> you leave this poor guy alone. Or it was a, to be a, a woman. And a I, I alone. said, I, I shamed her essentially for doing <laughs> okay. that. And I said, this will not end well. She's like, what are you talking about? I just, this will not end well. Yeah. Not that I predicted the financial crisis the way it all... But, but by the way, Scott, what you, you can't call anyone now and say anything negative. You're going to go to jail. It's just where we live. That was a long, long time ago, the, the mid-2000s. Well, if they're an anti-vaxxer, I certainly can, or anti-masker. I'm going to have a field day. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <So>. Well, let's <laughs> not go there. Okay. Okay. But th that was different now. What, what What's driving... What 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 do you think is driving these home prices? That, that, that well, there's a multiple factor. Okay, interest rates are extremely low. As the Fed keeps lowering rates, lowering rates. Like, I don't know why it's it shouldn't be a shock to anyone why inflation's where it is, right? And we just saw inflation's what running over six percent. So you would expect just to keep pace with inflation, your home's going to go up six percent because it's that a real is inflation, asset. right? Yeah. I mean, it's a real uh, asset. But do you think that part of it is lack of supply? Lack of supply. Commodity prices are very expensive now. It, it, most states make it very difficult to build anywhere. That's right. I think that, quite frankly, I think that these companies that have come in, the Zillows of the world that bought thousands and thousands of homes what in the last year, their formula was messed up. They're selling all of them now. They were losing 6 to 7% on every home they bought. Is that right? I yeah. mean, I saw some of the headlines about Zillow. I didn't bother reading. No, the they lost six to seven percent because they use this algorithm that actually would determine the price of the home based upon all of these things they knew in their database. And then they turned around one day and said, "Holy smokes! You know, we've been reselling these homes, and we're losing six percent on every one of them." So they're dish the whole thing. They're dishing them off in bulk to turn homes that are turning them uh, in investors the into rentals. Or flipping them themselves, but they lost six to seven. But they were buying at such large volumes in certain marketplaces. I think that them, and there's about four other firms that were doing that are doing the same thing. Mass flippers, call them mass flippers, um, that they are driving price. That plus with COVID, we can live anywhere. 
People want multiple homes. I do. People can have multiple homes, right? Yeah, maybe the top 5% of income level or top 10% can afford multiple homes if they want. And you have more disposable income. Yeah, so we're seeing some of that. But it doesn't explain why you have rising home prices in some of the big metropolitan areas, does it? No. I don't quite... I. I, but, but, but then again, Scott, I've had this conversation with multiple people. Like, where did all the workers go? Where did they go? The, the statistics doesn't say they all retired. A week, they, a week ago at the office, we were, it was bringing in lunch for a lunch and learn thing regarding something. Most people aren't actually physically in the office, but for those that... And they ordered Rubio's and uh, 1230 or so sorry, but Rubio's only three people showed up for work today. So they're slow on delivering their order. I don't feel, I mean, people just don't show up for, they even have jobs and don't show up for the jobs. Yeah. So where I, I it's, I just, the, okay. we were talking about it a long time ago and you've, well, I understand you, that people are getting on the government. Look, I, my, well, the unemployment was equivalent to about 20 bucks an hour. Yeah, my, my youngest son, Three weeks before his unemployment ran out, he went out and got two jobs, right? Not one, but two, because he could. He was like, yeah. And he told me, when this thing runs out or is about to run out, I'll go get a job. But where are they now? Where's the rest of them? Yeah. Did they move? Did they, was it the 35-year-old or 40-year-old that just was maybe, I mean, I've read, we've all, we've husband both read and somebody's... wife worked and one just said, I'm done? And I'm not going to do this anymore. And I, I moved to an area that's less expensive. I changed my lifestyle. I'm not a consumer anymore. I'm, I'm going to live uh, well, through experiences. Well, we all certainly learned what it was like, um, you, how inexpensive you can live. Right. When we were in lockdown, right? Hardly spend anything. Yeah. I don't go out. Didn't buy new clothes. Didn't, yeah. Like, hardly put any miles on the car. And then all of a sudden, you like it was a massive reset. And people said... I can keep this lifestyle and not have to go back to work and spend more time with my family and the people I love or some I like. Um, some I like. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is a weird. It's weird. It's a weird time, that's for sure. So anyway, let's uh, let's take some calls. Let's start off here talking with Michael. Michael, you're with All Worst Money Matters. Well, good evening, Scott. Good evening, Pat. I'm listening to you on. A, I'm going to be listening to you on a podcast. I think. Oh, good. Um. Love your show. Really enjoy your uh, your banter and your advice. And, Thank uh, you. I could ask you a dozen questions, but I'm going to kind of limit it to one. Uh, long-term care insurance. Uh, my wife and I are 62, both of us, and we don't have a policy right now. And, and as I look at retirement, I, it seems to be this is the one piece of the puzzle that I just can't quite wrap my head around. Uh, and we have assets invested in IRAs and whatnot of about a million dollars, which to me says, well, I can't really afford not to have the insurance and self-insure, um, but the policies are ridiculously expensive. Do you have much money outside of IRAs? Um, yeah, not a lot, you know, a hundred thousand, you know, but basically we've got a hundred thousand in brokerage and cash. We've got a hundred thousand in Roth IRAs and about a million dollars in invested assets. And your home's of. paid for? Uh, no, we're, uh, we're, we were late to the game in, uh, in purchasing a home because I lived in Yosemite for many, many years. Oh, good for I you. Well, I, I, I rented a million dollar view for 30 years for a hundred bucks a week. Did, did you work for the park service or one well, of the concessionaires? My wife worked for the Park Service, and I worked for a series of concessionaires. Oh, good for you. Gosh, dang yeah. it. Well, don't trade that for anything. I'm glad you were late yeah. to the game. Yeah, so we, we did. We're no longer in Yosemite. I, we now work down in the Sequoia Kings Canyon area. Oh, that's awful. That's <laughs> terrible. It's just terrible. Uh, but nonetheless, nonetheless, so we, you know, we have a home that you know depends on who you talk to. I don't think it's worth what they say, but but. You know, maybe worth three hundred fifty thousand. And what do you owe on it? Uh, about two hundred. So uh, we get this question a lot about um, long term care because you're right in the middle. You don't have quite you, enough you money, it, yeah, to to self insure, 
and you don't have quite enough money to make the premium payments. And oh, by the way, if you're broke, then the state will take care of you. Yeah. And by the way, if you buy a policy, those premium payments aren't guaranteed to stay the same forever. So you don't know what, what level. I mean, there's a single pay. I know we bash life insurance. Well, we don't bash life insurance. We bash the way life insurance, life, way is, life insurance is sold. There are some policies that have these long-term care riders that they're 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 technically a life insurance policy, but they're not funded like life insurance policy. So maybe there's they have two hundred thousand dollars worth of death benefit, and you put one hundred and eighty grand into it, uh, becomes what's called a modified endowment contract. But it's it's designed for the long-term care benefit, and you can do a joint life with these things. And so the way they work is essentially, um, if you bought one and you put 150 grand into it, they're going to give you $75,000 worth of long-term care or $50,000 worth of long-term care once you use up all your money first. Well, in addition to the premium that I paid, you mean? Uh, normally, yeah, they but, don't but, charge a premium. It's single right. pay. It's a single pay. It's and then a you're, it's pay. one and done. So these are these are what you what I've I've read about is hybrid policies. Yeah, they're as, yeah, they, or asset based like uh, long term care policies. Okay, so I would either look with? at that or a policy that's got a really long term waiting period, mm-hmm. a year or two years even. But your wife works for the National Park Service, does she not? Did you say she that does. earlier? Did they have yeah. any long term care policies that they sell through? Um, they they did. I, I took a look at those. They 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 sent out a couple years ago. You know, they sent out the thing, and I and I looked at it, and the premiums back then looked ridiculous. Yeah. And again, the premiums aren't guaranteed. The premiums can go up as the exposure increases for the carrier. Obviously, mm-hmm. I'd take a look so, at the hybrid or asset base or right? whatever they call it. Well, yeah. So now, where 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 do you look? I mean, do you do you go to a sink? Is there that's my part, second part of this question, and I've I've been kind of thinking about that, but I wanted to run it by someone who was you know a little more experienced than I do, and that would be you two. Um, you'd go to one of the big carriers, and you'd get quotes from three like, of them. You know, go to, and yeah. shop shop a, shop two or three, and go directly to them, and maybe right. uh, reduce the commission cost. That's that, right. And there's not that many of them out there, by the way. Right. And right. you know yeah. where you're going to end up at the end of the day. You're not going. You're not going to buy anything. That's that's. I looked at it a couple months ago and I was like, they had a couple, there's a couple options where you could pay $10,000 a year for 10 years. And then you get X amount. I mean, the challenge, the challenge is that you're you're, like the cost, the, your cost would probably mean the difference of whether you can afford to travel at all or like, and that is important to my wife. Okay. So, I mean, I mean, that's, these are the trade-offs that we have in life sometimes. And so like, all right, well, we're going to forego our travel so that we have financial security when, Maybe, maybe we're sold that we don't even know. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you there. Uh, and my wife is, is she likes to take her trip every year. Yeah. So, and I, I wouldn't want to hold her. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't want to take that away from. Well, her. I, I would take a definitely take a look in some of these. Uh, yeah, and see if it makes sense base. for you the asset base. Yeah. But if you mm-hmm. don't buy one, just consider yourself normal. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. And, that's the know, reality. Okay. All right. Well, I, I really appreciate you guys taking right. my call. All right. Uh, well, okay. thank you for taking care of Yosemite for all those years yeah, for it's us. Yeah, a great place. Uh, I was there uh, this summer. Oh, were you? Yeah. yeah it's, a great it's, time. It's, it's a great place. We we raised our family there, and I I mean, wow. I, I wouldn't trade that. I was there for 35 years. Oh, I wouldn't my. Trade wow. Basically good, grew up there. Good for you. Nice. Good for you. Well, all I appreciate, right. the, appreciate the call, Michael. Michael. The challenge now, it's like I, I like doing half dome, but you got to get the permits ahead of time, and you got to <laughs> play the whole game, and you got to wait on the computer. And I like to actually Sit down by the river behind the Awani Hotel, which is very similar to climbing oh. Half Dome. You're not one of those to get in the river right above the waterfall, because that happens every couple of years. No. I don't care what kind of signs they have, right? right. <laughs> and then it's the park's fault. Like, right. There's Why? a big river and a 400-foot drop-off. Why didn't they have a net there? <laughs> we should be laughing. And let's continue on here. Uh, we're going to talk with Carl. Carl, you're with Allworth Money Matters. Hi, guys. Thanks so much for taking my call. Yeah. Um, I'm way behind on the podcast. So, Pat, I had a question for you <laughs> Okay. Um, that you had said before. But before I ask you that, Scott, I must ask you, uh, how are you feeling? Uh, back huh? in December, November, you said you had COVID? I had COVID one year ago. Okay. How yeah, are you I feeling? Had... Fantastic. Yeah. And I had COVID last November. 
Oh, okay. My whole family had it. Well, my one child uh, was who wasn't living at home didn't catch it, but yeah, my wife had it. I had it. Kids had it. Yeah, same oh. same as us. Uh, all of, it was well, all like except I, for my daughter had. I it. had a ba- one bad day of coughing. I usually get bronchitis about every three years, and I thought, oh, I'm going right. to get like a bronchitis feeling. So I got some coating cough syrup. I got an inhaler all ready for having a bad week, and I woke up the next morning feeling better. And um, the worst thing for me was just fatigue for a couple couple weeks. Sure, sure. Well, you know, you're both lucky. It could have been worse. Oh, oh for I sure. Have, oh, I have friends that yeah, I have yeah, a friend yeah, yeah. right now that's been in the hospital for six weeks on oh. a ventilator right now. Um, oh boy! Sorry. Yeah, wow. yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, you know, no, no vaccine, but that's, that's his a, call. That's the gentleman I know. Oh. Uh, no, different, different okay. friend. So I had a friend that was in the hospital, got out a couple of weeks ago. He was in for three weeks. It's, it's, don't take it lightly, obviously, oh, but appreciate oh, okay. your, uh, yeah. the question. Okay, sure. So, uh, Pat, now I may have misheard you. So uh, back, back in November, December, you were talking about the legislative risk for Social Security. Mm-hmm. And what you had said was, if you don't need the money, start taking it right away. If you do need it, wait till 70. Correct. Now, were you referring to people who are already retired, or yes. what if somebody's still working? If they're still working, um, it, if they're underage, uh, their full retirement age, they should always wait. Okay. Right? Uh, but so even at retirement, but like, like, normal if retirement I'm Bill age. Gates and I turn normal retirement age, 66 or seven, whatever, whatever it is, I would take Social Security. That's right. That's what I, that's what I meant to say, <laughs> yeah. is that if you're under the normal retirement age, you don't take it if you're working. If you're working, let's say you work till you're 75, you should take it if you don't need it at your normal retirement age. And that's because there's not an offset reduction against your ordinary earned income. So you're saying take it if you're still working. Yeah, if you're normal retirement age. If you've got tons of other assets and you... You have tons of income. Look, the the thesis behind this is that... The trust fund's going to run out of money. We're gonna, that's the premise that we're basing this on. So when they go to make cuts, who will they make the cuts on? Will they make it on the person that's living on $25,000 a year or the person that's uh, making $250,000 a year? I get it. So if I'm at age 67 and still working, what you're saying is I should take it now. That's correct. Assuming you've got plenty of other assets and you could live without Social Security. The majority of Americans should wait as long as possible because the majority of Americans do not have enough retirement savings, right? I mean, you just look at the stats. The, the majority of retirees rely upon Social Security for, for the any, majority of their income. Cor- correct. If that's you, then wait as long as possible. So what, is, what will your income be in once you quit working? What will your income be? I don't from, plan to quit. Okay. And what's your income now? Oh, it's well above 200. Okay, and how much assets do you have, excluding your personal residence? Oh, plenty, above 5 yeah, million. Then why yeah, would you then, wait? Yeah, don't wait. I, if but I would wait. Ta- why would I get, but if I get it now, won't my tax rate go up? I, so? It, well, no, you'll have to, you're, you're in a high tax rate. You're going to probably be in a high tax rate forever. Yeah, okay. it's, it doesn't matter. All right, but Pat, you're assuming, though, aren't you, that if a recipient gets X number of dollars, Mm-hmm. then they're not going to reduce that on that person. That's what you're saying. No. no what we I, have no what, idea. What, what I'm saying is, so let, if you look at the history of Social Security, if you go back 30 years, Social Security was delivered to every American without taxation. Right. And what was in the 80s, they started taxing. 84. Uh, they st- said, okay, if you're a married couple with over $32,000, we're going to start taxing 50% of your Social Security benefit as ordinary income. And the reason they justified that, they said that corporations, they pay half into it. They say corporations get a tax deduction. So they, they said, therefore, it hasn't been taxed. The only right thing to do would be to tax it. That's, what, right. their, 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 that's what their argument was at the time. So that was in 84. A few years later, it wasn't a big uproar. They said, like it was 98, well, let's, let's do this again. Let's tax 85% of people's Social Security income. So we're going to take 85% of their Social Security and add it to their ordinary income. For families, couples that make more than $44,000 a year. So that is a form of means testing, is it not? Okay. Okay. And what's the next step? And even Chris Christie, when he was running for president, said, right, 
Mr. Far Right said, you know, yes. any income over $100,000, if you're receiving Social Security, you should have a, yes. a decrease in benefits. So sure. even the argument on the right is, look, sure. there, there's going to be yeah. cuts. And I, I, here's how I view it. Like, if you're going to look at any sort of investment, you're going to buy a bond in something, you're going to do your research and say, what is the likelihood that those payments will continue and then I'll get repaid my principal? What is that likelihood? Is there any possibility whatsoever. And so when we talk about the 8% growth we have waiting between our normal retirement age and age 70, that's predicated, that 8% increase is predicated on A, a normal life expectancy, and B, that the benefits won't change ever. Right. And remember, there's time value of money, receiving money earlier rather than later. Okay. So yeah. the, it, it is, look, could we be wrong? Sure. Sure. I mean, there's it's probabilities of outcome. But okay. but if if I if I was 67 today, I suspect that my income will be relatively high in retirement. You would hope that from an investment advisor. Um, by the way, <laughs> I hope you're not living in subsidized senior housing. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I, I wouldn't. Uh, I, I probably should have uh, eaten my own cooking. Um, I would take Social Security as quickly as it was possibly offered to me, as long as there was not a dollar for every $2 offset against my earned income. So if you're normal retirement age, that's the whole reason you want to do it is that you're betting that they're going to actually decrease benefits for those high income earners. I see. Okay. But once I get it, then they can't reduce that. No, I don't know. They certainly can. They can. Oh, Absolutely. Okay. Wait, All right. It's the Can same reason, wait, wait, Carl, it's the same reason we have a, pro, a federal progressive tax rate and a progressive state they income could, tax. They're trying to change it right now. Right? They right. can change it anytime they want. Okay. And Can what? I ask you a second question? Sure. Okay. If a new client was to come to you tomorrow and you do your you know, stock bond allocation, right? Right. What I don't understand is why put someone new right now in bonds knowing that interest rates are going up? Bond values will go down. Why not put them in cash, even though it earns next to nothing? At least it won't go down. It, it, well, remember, there's different maturities on bonds, uh-huh. right? So you could go short on it if you if that was appropriate. I see. Right. Okay, so you, so you know what you know what cash is. So if you yeah. put your money in a money market fund, you know what you know what that that money sits in a money market fund. Right. It's bonds. Very short term bonds. It's, bonds that are about to mature. That's what I it see. is. So when people say cash, well, you know, the bank doesn't actually just have piles of cash sitting back there. They're actually lending that money out. And they're trying to match maturities against the, lend, the, the lender, which is the depositor, and the borrower, which is the other side of the equation. The money is not sitting in a vault, just earning, growing naturally. Um, so anytime- oh, And I've been wrong on interest rates for the last decade. I would. I mean, we've all thought they were going to go up by now. Well, would you put them in bonds or bond ETFs? How do you? Well, I mean, our portfolios. We have a variety of different. I mean, a typical account might have fifteen different holdings in it, and the fixed income port- portion of it might have five or six different holdings. And, in it. Unless it, unless the person had multi, multi, multi million dollars, right. you probably would not be holding individual bond no. issues. No. I see. Okay. And if they do, it's only going to. There's too much credit risk yeah. there. Gotcha. A la WorldCom okay. and PG&E yeah. and the Ford Motor Enron, Company. Ford Motor. Their bonds got devalued during the financial crisis. Gotcha. I remember a client who held one. Pretty painful I, when you have a AAA-rated bond by one of the oldest companies in the United States, and you don't think that's going to have a problem, and it did. I see. Okay. Great. Thank you very much. Hi, Carl. I appreciate, appreciate the call. It. Thanks. Hey, we're going to take a break here in a couple minutes, but before... Uh, I just thought it was interesting in the last couple of weeks. GE, General Electric, breaking up into three companies. If you think of GE like 30 years ago, like it was the. Oh, yeah. It was it. And during the 90s, they were, were consolidating six, a lot of different industries. Six Sigma. Yeah. It was like they were the. Jack Welch. He was the powerhouse, he was the man. Right, they got into financial services, they medical, they were consumer it. products, uh, air airplane engines, all kinds of hydroelectric, electrical. 
amazing. And people would talk about like, oh, that's almost like the S&P 500. It is almost like Haven't the you heard S- that? I have. I remember talking to someone who was retiring. He's like, Scott, why in the world should I sell any GE? They're so diversified. It's like in the S&P 500. I don't need to sell my GE stock. So what are they doing now? They're breaking up. At the, its height in early 2001, its stock, get this, put this into perspective. Its stock was worth more than $500 billion. They're the largest company for a period of time in 2001, for many times. Today, what's left of that company is $119 billion, 23% of the former value after 20 years. And why does this matter? This because is- you might have a company in your portfolio that you love that is a too big a piece of your life savings. You're going into retirement. Let's hope it's, if you... If you're like, nah, it's, my, it's different. It's This is totally different. Let's just hope it's not another GE. Yep. Because GE was the golden company back then. It really was. As Tesla and Meta is today. Meta. Can't wait to live my entire life virtually. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I, I quit Facebook, and I'm going to talk about it when we come back from the break. All right, the, we'll be right back. This is All Worth Money Matters. Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Welcome back to Allworth's Money Matters. Uh, to join our show, 833-99-WORTH. Love to take your call, 833-99-WORTH. And before we go back to the calls, Pat, you talked about you are no longer in Facebook. I am, I have stopped um, the Facebook Um have you deleted your account? I think so. But they keep still, they still keep, I deleted it from my, I logged out and then I deleted it from the screen. I don't know if I could actually figure out how to completely leave. And when did you discontinue Facebook? Oh, a while ago. And the reason is, I was reading more and more about um, what they're doing with the information, which is quite f- spooky. Yeah. Um, and then I watched a couple of documentaries on how they process. It was quite spooky. And then, then I ran into someone who I had is friends with on Facebook. And, and I said, hello. And it's like they didn't even recognize me. And then I thought, this is the weirdest thing that I have a virtual friendship with someone that I see in person that we actually don't even stop to say hello to each other. It was a slight wave. And I'm like, this is a bizarre. And you're watching this person's life. What they have for breakfast? Well, I tried. Yeah, I wouldn't. Family I wasn't vacations. On, they're always laughing, having a great time. I wasn't on there. I wasn't Nothing on. Nothing but the best life ever. But I wasn't on there all that much. But I thought, this is just a waste of my time. I pretty much quit looking at Facebook two years ago and I kept my account because my wife would go onto my account to follow certain people because she didn't have her own account didn't want her own account and then something happened I got hacked and I got I got some texts from some people hey by the way your Facebook account and I don't know what kind of weird things I was message I was sending but (laughs) I don't think it was good and and so they they said I need to change my password or something and I never have bothered it was just that was they said your accounts shut down temporarily shut down so I thought that's a perfect exit yeah. Yeah. So, and also that uh, reading about how they manipulate the data to create addiction in uh, in kids and teenagers was quite it was quite creepy. I mean, they 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 knew exactly what they were doing. I mean, where the likes and likes and likes and how that actually feeds. Look, I've the got brain. a fourteen year old girl and an eleven year old at home. It uh, like we waited as long as possible to give her an iPhone. We had she had a flip phone <laughs> middle school. <laughs> she was born, she's the like, only one there's like three kids in the entire middle school out of the 700 kids that had a flip phone she had a flip phone so she can text back and forth we can communicate but she didn't have all the data but then it got to the point where our friends are so she's looking over their shoulders and then yeah so now we have it we don't allow her to have social media but i know kids are pretty smart they find way, ways around and hide things that the parents can't figure out so. well at least it, it's not out in the open you're trying to we're it's trying not and help- we limit her hours that phone shuts down at oh, nine o'clock or whatever and she only that. has a certain amount of time of screen time but you hear these stories about these these poor teenage girls it's a their self-worth is based on how many likes they get on instagram and and no and they know that they wake they, up they, at two in the morning to take a look did yeah. i get any more likes oh i didn't get any likes i must not be a good person i guess i'm not pretty enough i better figure out how to be prettier it's it's yeah, yeah. it's really unhealthy so that's why i quit 
The whole thing just kind of got. I don't know why we're talking about. about this. I don't know. Anyway, that's one of the reasons I don't own Meta, Facebook, well, or whatever. Let's go to the uh, let's go to the call. Yeah, let's uh, let's start off here in Portland talking with John. John, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Good afternoon. How are you? Good. How are you doing, John? Things are good here in Portland. So um, that's not what I read. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you got to be optimistic, I guess. It's it's, a beautiful area. Downtown, I think, is having their challenges, right? You know, I'm looking at the Willamette River. The sun's out. Beautiful. You know, the sky is blue. So I can't complain. I'm with you. I find, you know, it's funny, John, I find whenever I'm complaining about something, I stop. I'm always hanging out with cool people in some cool spot. Like, it seems like, yeah. and then I'm like, is really, do I really have anything to complain about? Including right here in the studio with me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> cool. Yeah. <laughs> what can we do for you, John? So uh, I'm 74. My wife is 70. And we have been looking at continuing care retirement communities for the last few years. And are actually waitlisted at a couple um, places here in the Portland area. Uh, our kids, adult kids, a couple of them are here in Portland, so we want to stay in the area. And um, I, I assume you're familiar with CCRC concepts and business models. Yep. Um, but the, it always comes down to, is this something that we can afford? And, um, you know, it's, it requires an initial investment, uh, you know, an entrance fee that in our case, you know, the place we're looking at and the, the type of unit we're looking at is, you know, close to $700,000. And, and John, I'm going to add something to that. That's one thing. It's also the financial stability of the community that you're putting the money into is really, really important. Okay. Extremely right. important because the solvency of that organization determines whether that seven hundred thousand dollars means anything or not. Okay, so the, so the the track record and the financials going forward is something we should look yeah, at as well. Absolutely. So that's yeah, just a, as an aside. You you, you yeah. wouldn't turn around and give seven hundred thousand dollars and say, "Don't worry, we're going to take care of you forever." You want to make sure that they're actually that they have the small amount of debt that they're financially profitable that that it, it's an ongoing concern even if it's a nonprofit which many of these are. Right. So okay, so the seven hundred k buy in, and then uh, so that buy in then is eighty percent refundable. Uh, should we move out mm-hmm. or when we pass, you know, we go to our heirs. So there, you know, it doesn't pay any interest or dividend yeah. during the time that we live there. But then there's you know monthly fee that includes you know dining service, utilities, housekeeping, repairs, maintenance, etc., fitness club, and all that, all everything. You know. But but it's dependent upon what level you're in, right? So if you're in level one, well, two, or three, yeah, there's a price yeah, differentiation so between those levels. Yeah. So you you have to move in when you are. Uh, uh, able to move into independent living, and then if you need to go to assisted living or memory care, that's right. Um, then the rates, you know, do change somewhat. Yeah. It's and, an a la carte menu. Yeah, and so correct. What's your what's your financial situation? I mean, for some, the the majority of retired Americans could not afford this. There are clearly some that can. What's your financial situation? So we've got a. A um, couple of IRAs, our, our, our combined IRAs are about worth $2.6 million. And uh, another investment account that's worth about $1.2 at this point. And we've got about a half a million in equity in our current uh, condo. The only debt we have is the balanced mortgage on that. Um, and we're getting roughly... $7,100 a month from pensions and Social Security, and my RMD is about um, 86000 this last year yeah. Yeah. For, for my IRA. So, yeah, so this, you know, I, I have a financial planner that I've worked with for a number of years, and, and I'm asking him the same questions, and I just wanted to run it by you guys, too, because, you know, I listen to your program, and and um, you know, a 
another opinion on such things is always worthwhile. And, uh, you know, I respect what you uh, are telling well, other listeners. I mean, I, I think, think from a financial standpoint, this is easily doable for you. I think you've got plenty of cash. Oh, yeah. Not a problem. Particularly with the pension stuff coming in. Even if you didn't have that, I don't think it'd be a stretch at all. Uh, And we've had other clients that have done things similar, and I don't know anyone who's who's regretted it, who's who's bought into a community like this and then backed out. So, yeah. Yeah. And and I I assume you've taken and spent quite a bit of time. Have you spent a week there, a weekend there? Have you spent the night? I have not physically stayed there yet okay and so they, we've visited like uh three or four times already and and met with you know certainly management and met with um, other residents and talked to them so i mean we've been doing our homework over a period of time and and the, the time frame for us is about you know up to two years maybe a little longer maybe a little less uh from now and we recognize that the buy-in price goes up historically, maybe about one and a half percent annually. And the uh, the monthly costs also go up uh, two to four percent yeah, yeah. annually. So the numbers I'm giving you today are going to be yeah, but, higher. And presumably I mean, it, so will your account balances. Yeah. 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 That's certainly we hope that. I mean, if so, you told me so, you were going to live to 150, that would be a little make run the numbers a little more closely, but. I mean, financially, you're fine. Yep. So you want to, and if if you're, ask your financial advisor to do a little bit of background check on this company, or at least go over the financials. But is it a profit or a nonprofit organization that you're moving into? Uh, actually, we're waitlisted at two different places. One is for profit, one is nonprofit. Okay. So the one we're favoring is the nonprofit. It's uh, affiliated with religious. Um, organization, oh. but has been around for years. Yeah, the the and, length of time it's been around is irrelevant. Okay, right. Uh, and they they are have been expanding and building. Um, so okay, yeah. Just do the. I mean, this probably do the due diligence, but financially you're fine, and you may want to ask if you could spend a weekend there before you make the final decision. That okay. would be my only it's recommendation a, to you. Interesting, interesting thought. Didn't know, didn't even cross our minds. Certainly hasn't been offered to us at this point. So, well, there's no upside and, and, in it for them if you're buying without spending. Yeah. So, so <laughs> the follow-on question to this then is, uh, given the uh, the time frame, um, should I be? How how should I uh, be? I guess uh, allocating funds in our IRAs and our investment account is well, that something that we I don't think that much differently. I mean, yeah, I assume that you've got some bond in both of them. You've got about four million dollars in savings, so it should be able to generate enough. I mean, if it, even assuming a four percent withdrawal is going to be no, plenty but, of. But for the seven hundred thousand dollar buy-in, he's got five hundred thousand dollars in equity coming out of his home. You're going to need to come up with another two hundred thousand. I assume you've got two hundred thousand dollars of fixed income in your brokerage account. Yes. Easy. Yeah. I wouldn't yeah. change a thing. Yeah. Okay. All right, All right John. All right. Yeah. Appreciate. Wish you well. Hope it. Uh, hope it works out fantastic for you. I'm glad you called. And we're now in lovely San Diego talking with Sharon. Sharon, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Um, I am a state, state of California employee, and I will have 30 years of service uh, come December 1st. Um, I'm looking at retiring probably in um, about two and a half years when I'm 60. My question is I'm trying to find out how – how much withhold tax withholding um, will be taken from my um, from my pension? So my monthly pension. So I've requested an estimate from CalPERS mm-hmm. where where I have my pension. Um, they they've returned the estimate to me, but it just shows. A, I'm gross assuming amount. a gross amount. It's the gross amount. Yeah, so it's not showing me any withholdings or anything. Yeah. My question is how, or does the IRS have a, a tax table that I can use mm-hmm. to find out what my withholding will be? And is it is it like 
similar to withholding of wages. Um, so these are great questions. So let me ask a couple of questions. One, uh, are you okay. a safety worker? No, no. Okay. So I'm two, 2% of 55. Okay. Is my, um, so uh, you've got a nice pension coming. Um, and how much yes. money have you put inside the 457 or 401k? How much money is saved there? Um, that has about 95,000, okay. I think. And are you married? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So um, the, your tax withholding won't live in a bubble. It has to do with your family income, not just your income. So how much would okay. your monthly pension be um, if you were to retire um, today? Like the estimate they gave you in two years, yeah. what did it show you the gross amount on a monthly basis is? Well, they only they only give an estimate if you're within a year. So okay. for, I was originally planning December 31st of this year, but that's not going to happen. So um, I think it came out to about 5400 a month. Okay. And that was at my salary, you know, on January, around January 1st. I've I, since gotten a I would kind of, promotion, so it'll be hard enough. I would ballpark 15% federal, 2%, 3% state here in yeah. San Diego, yeah. yeah. Or just around 20%. Okay. So Probably coming okay. a little less than that. Yeah. Um, okay. But as Pat says, it's predicated on other income. So if you have some other income, dividends or interest that there's no tax withholding. Sometimes we end up withholding a little extra from a, from a pension to offset the taxation. Yeah. And the $5,400 they quoted you was a single life only. Um, that do you mean if there will be some paid out to my husband? That's correct. Is that what you mean? Correct. Um, it, it is for myself and for my husband. There's some for my husband as well with that. That I think it's option one is what okay. they call it, um, which is so fifty percent. He your will husband. get. Them. Yeah, I forget how much it was. All right, so that's a that. so you can't do anything about the tax withholding. By the way, you're just doing right. f planning. But a big decision that right. you and your husband need to make together is what option you want to take for that. Right. That is the big. That is a big, a big, big financial dis decision. Big, big, big financial decision. Yeah, not to scare it's not, you. You can't. Yeah, you can't uh, redo no it. Redos. Yeah, it's, <laughs> There's it's, no redos on that. Yeah, it's irrevocable. And so what you want to think right. about when you're deciding that is your life expectancy, your spouse's life expectancy, and other forms of income coming into the house. And we don't have, I mean, other than, other than his retirement, we don't have any, you know, rental income. We don't have anything extra. And is he retiring from the state so. as well? He retired from uh, um, Calster's. Okay. He has a Calster's pension. Yeah. Got it. Got it. And did he take a joint and survivor benefit? His was just, um, what did you call it? Single? Single life only? He, just for himself. Yeah, single life only. So um, that's another reason why I'm um, going to stay on, continue working till I'm 60 is because if he passes um, before me, I won't get anything. Yeah, that's right. You're from inside. him. Okay. From his. So you're thinking so about I'm looking it the right at working way. a little longer so like yeah, definitely. Yeah. Once I work the numbers, I'm like, okay, December thirty first is not realistic. Yeah. So. so figure between eighteen and twenty percent. Oh uh, yeah. I'd say twelve okay. to fifteen after Okay. just figure fifteen percent. Okay. I'll go with that. Okay. And that 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 should be kind of safe. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I based on what you told me. You're because you're probably I mean Yeah. 15% counting them both. Just by the time you oh, the get standard, standard deduction, deduction, most of the income is mm -hmm. going to be in a 12% bracket, if not all. So. Mm -hmm. All right, Shane. You'll be all right. Yep. Okay, guys. Thank right. you. Good Appreciate luck. Thanks. Let's continue on talking with Greg. Greg, you're with Allworth Money Matters. Hi, Scott. Hi, Pat. Hi, Appreciate Greg. you taking my call. Yeah, sure. glad you called. So my question is a simple one. And you probably hear it all the time, and that is, when should I take Social Security? I'll nuance the question a little bit in a second, but let me give you a little background. My wife and I are both retired. I'm 64 and she's 60. We live in Colorado. Neither of us currently draw Social Security. She won't really draw much because she receives a state pension, she was in education all her career. Mm -hmm. And I, depending on when I retire, will obviously have two or three different numbers. Um, and the essence of my question is, and for you is, it's it's sort of nuanced because of, you know, depending on how the government chooses to solve the trust fund problem, you know, it may make sense to wait to 70, which is the conventional wisdom, 
or if they were to implement something like means testing or asset testing, maybe it makes sense to do it now because I might have my benefit either greatly reduced or eliminated. You know, they do means testing already. It's just kind of hidden. Um, well, on lots right. of different, but on, but, on but, Medicare but, Part B, that's the simplest thing to look at. But the taxation on your Social Security benefits based upon your overall family income uh, accelerates from zero to 50% of the benefit is taxable at your tax rate. And then incomes over $44,000 are taxable. 85% of the Social Security benefit is taxable as ordinary income. Those are forms of hidden means testing, Right. Right, right. Um, so what does your overall family situation look like in terms of what will your assets look like and what will your income look like in retirement when you apply for Social Security? Because you said you're re- you're working now, correct? No, we're actually both retired now. Oh, got it. So what, what's your income uh, without Social Security? Um, without Social Security, my wife's pension is about 4000 We have a rental property that been, brings in about 2500 I have another smaller pension of about 100 and her social security after the wet production would be about a hundred. So all in it's about 7,000, not including social security. And I would ask, I would estimate that our expenses are probably 8,000. And what's your, uh, what, what is, what is your overall net worth? All your savings and house value and that sort of thing. Uh, about two and a half million. I'm not worried as much about the asset. Um, how much? I'm not worried so much about the means testing for assets as I am for income. Well, here's where it is. So Medicare Part B at eight at, at for married when you're married and your just adjusted gross income goes above 160. 100, I'm sorry, 176 thousand. You start paying extra premium. So the premium is about 150 bucks a month for most people. If you make a ton of money, it's almost 500 bucks a month each. But you said your income will be approximately $84,000 a year. Is, did I hear that right? Correct. Without Social Security. Without, without social, tapping into other sources. And without tapping. The, how much of that $2.5 million is in IRAs? Um, about a million in IRAs, about five hundred in a brokerage account, and the other million is in two properties, both so, paid off. So, the, so the, the thing is, is that you should actually be looking at Roth conversions now for some of that IRA. That's a different topic altogether uh, based upon your income. Uh, I would most certainly be looking at that between now and age 72 and a half, some Roth conversions in there. But I don't know if I would. I mean, if your pension was 10 grand a month. I, I don't I don't know whether um, I, I don't think that I would worry too much about a means testing on that income level. But set that aside. Would you recommend he take Social Security now or wait? I'm thinking if I'm your situation, I would probably take it. He's 64 and 60. I, I, well, his his wife doesn't get any of the windfall li- elimination provision. Why would you? I probably I know. I'd wait till my normal retirement age. And That's take right. It then. That's right. I'd I'd split the difference. I'd take it at my normal retirement age. I wouldn't take it at 64. I'd take it at 67, right? Just because I I don't know. Yeah. And I split right. the difference. Right. What's and, your What's your thinking on when Congress acts? And suppose they put in a means testing. Would people be grandfathered in? Or no, we all no, no, be no, no. To- well, wait, 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 okay. wait, wait, one thing we know is that in the Social Security Trust Fund is scheduled to run out of money. It will run out of money, whether it's in 2031, 2034. As we get closer, we'll, uh, we'll find out. And it's already in statute that when it hits the point when there's not enough, enough revenue coming in, there will be a, a mandatory cut across the board of like 22%. Well, right. they're not going to take it away from someone that's living on it. That that's their sole source of income. Someone whose income, a, 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 an eighty-one-year-old widow who's got twelve hundred dollars a month, a month, twelve hundred dollars a month. But the 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 question is, where do they draw the line? Is it a hundred thousand? Uh, you know what, what we know on Medicare Part B, it's one hundred seventy-six thousand for married and eighty-eight thousand for singles. So you're. You, you, that's why you're not. If you said your income's two hundred thousand dollars a year, I'd say take it now. You know what will be interesting to watch though is this pending legislation as to how they're going to, if they're going to start to tax unrealized capital gains. Oh, gosh, that'd be a crazy thing. And that would be an indication of whether we should worry about assets mean testing. That would be, that would be the first 
uh, hole in the dam. Would it not? Think about that, Scott. If they all of a sudden said, okay, we're going to— Well, Elizabeth Warren says if you're—I don't know, state's over—appreciate the call, Greg. If a state's over 50 um, million bucks or whatever, we're going to have a a wealth tax. Now there's also this tax. How do we tax unrealized capital gain? But what what does that mean? Like you have a business and the value of your business goes up. But— but how do you pay for that tax if it's only in the value of the business? Not everyone's a billionaire. <laughs> right. I can't imagine that getting through. The, just trying to figure out. Well, they're saying with, if you're a billionaire. Here's what, does, here's what you kind of makes sense, right? You're Mark Zuckerberg. You start Facebook. Good for you, right? Not good for all of us, but <laughs> good for Mark. <laughs> anyway, good for Mark. So you're worth, I don't know, a couple hundred billion or whatever it is. His salary's probably quite low. Like yeah, probably, you know, I don't know a few hundred a million thousand, dollars a year, whatever. relatively low for what it. And then he he lives his lifestyle, probably not by selling shares. Correct. He just takes a loan on him. He's got so much. He's like, even if my stock fell ninety percent, what risk do I have? Because I could pay a few percent in a loan as opposed to paying X this, in capital gains. Yeah, so they don't sell their stock. So they get rid of the margin loans, or uh, I could see it some certain value that the the loans will be taxable to you. Which would make sense. Which would make sense. I mean, and that is quite equitable, frankly. I've used margin loans in my own accounts before, and I needed to come up with some money real quick for the thing. I just margin. You don't want to pay a capital gain. That's right. And you don't want to do it long term. You don't have a $200 billion. That's right. I'm not worth $200 billion. (laughs) But if I was worth $200 billion, I'd still do this radio show. That's how much I love it. <laughs> you might actually, but anyway. I might. Yeah, you might. But, uh, anyway, I don't know why we got on that topic, but there we go. Well, unfortunately, that is about the time we have. Um, and if you'd ever like to join the show, you can call us 24-7, and we'll schedule a time for you to be on the big radio show. You call 833 833- Nine 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 six seven eight four, and you will get an answering service, and we'll schedule time for you to get on the show during our recording times. You can also yeah, again, that's eight three three triple nine six seven eight four, and you can also email us your questions at questions at moneymatters.com. Yeah, and we're getting close to the end of the year. It is a good time to start thinking about some planning. So, if you don't work with a financial advisor now. Um, consider doing so and maybe have a conversation with your advisor. Anyway, we're out of time. It's been great being with you. We'll see you next week. This is Allworth Money Matters. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.